Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. And if you want to hear more than just this highlight from the show, become a Coast Insider, and you can listen to this complete program, plus recent episodes covering amazing topics like the discovery of an ancient lost city in Honduras, secret societies that may control the world, and an update on the legendary Star Child Skull. Head on over to coasttocoastam.com and sign up for Coast Insider to start listening. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Okay, welcome back. L.A. Marzulli with us. L.A., of course, Roswell, July 1947. We are coming up on the 70th anniversary. My gosh, can you believe that? Yeah, incredible. Absolutely incredible. But uh, what else is new? What's new? Have you found something? What was interesting is um, this, this woman wrote me a while back, and what she does for a living, she will go into... Um, people at the end of life, and she'll dismantle their estates for them, sell parts of their estate. If they've got goods or collections of something, whatever it is, she'll, she'll try to find a buyer for it and sell it, and then give the money to the person, to the estate, why the person is still alive. One such person uh, was this man called Colonel Hill. Now, she... <laughs> She contacted me because she had some figurines, which one of them which had an elongated head, and that's that's how I came into it. That's how I met her. She said, "Would you be interested in looking at?" She sent me a picture, and I bought it from her. They came from Asia. I thought it was very interesting to add it to my collection. So one thing led to another in the midst of the conversation and emails going back and forth, and she said, "Well, I've got some information on Roswell," and I immediately my ears picked up, and I said, "Well, what do you mean?" And she told me the story, and I, my wife and I flew to San Antonio a while back, and we interviewed her and her husband. Again, body language. They're both sitting in front of the camera, and, and it's Jim and Carolyn. And Jim looks at the camera and goes, the testimony you're about to hear is true. Huh. Just, just like that. It's just, guy's got a beard. He's a big guy. Yeah. It's just great. The testimony you're about to hear is true. And she kind of nods her head, and she's uh, just a wonderful lady, really bright, very articulate, and... Again, she's got this business of of dismantling people's estates. And one client that she had was Colonel Hill. This guy was OSS, intelligence officer during World War II. So she got to know this man over a two-year period. They got to be very close, so much so that when his wife died, Jim and Carolyn took the ashes, and, and he had a request that he wanted them spread out in a certain area, and they did that for him. So there was an intimate relationship between them. About a month before, and I've, you know, no one knows this yet. I mean, it's the first, this is the first. I've never, it's obviously in the film, but it's, it's a coast first. And what I love about it is, it is it ties back into everything that we've heard. So in the course of the conversations, and she, she would visit him every day, Mary's end of life, about a month before he passed away, uh, she was in a conversation with him, and she just brought it up, and she said, well, what about Roswell? Was it, was it a weather balloon? Now remember, this guy's 90 years old at this point, so he's, he's an old, old man, and he's close to death. He, he passed away a month after the, the deathbed confession, as it were. And he looks at her, and he hangs his head, and he brings it up, and he goes, what about it? And she goes, was it a weather balloon? And he, he lets out a deep sigh and goes, it wasn't a weather balloon. And this starts the conversation. And then he spills the beans. And I guess... You know, George, what it's like, it's, it's uh, these people, 
many of these people, and this is the same thing with the whistleblowers, they carry these things around with them all their life, and it gets to the point where they got to tell somebody. they got to get it off. They want to get it, get it out there. They want to get it out. And he looked at her, and he basically corroborates pretty much everything we've heard. This guy was OSS. He was at Dallas-Fort Worth. Dallas-Fort Worth when the crash happened in 1947. Apparently, he was flown into Roswell within 24, 48 hours. The moment, very, very, very quickly. She didn't know the exact time frame. I want to play a little clip, L.A., of the radio broadcast from that event in July 1947. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. Army officers say the missile, found sometime last week, has been inspected at Roswell, New Mexico, and sent to Wright Field, Ohio, for further inspection. The American Broadcasting Company and affiliated stations present Headline Edition with Taylor Grant. From all over the world, wherever the day's headlines are made, Headline Edition brings you accurate, timely reports on the news behind those headlines, plus informative in-person interviews with the men and women who made the headlines today. Today's edition presents a roundup of the latest developments in the finding of a flying disc. Stay in step with history in the making. Stay tuned to Headline Edition. Now, here's Taylor Grant. Late this afternoon, a bulletin from New Mexico suggested that the widely publicized mystery of the flying saucers may soon be solved. Army Air Force officers reported that one of the strange discs had been found and inspected sometime last week. Our correspondents in Los Angeles and Chicago have been in contact with Army officials endeavoring to obtain all possible late information. Joe Wilson reports to us now from Chicago. The Army may be getting to the bottom of all this talk about the so-called flying saucers. As a matter of fact, the 509th Atomic Bomb Group headquarters at Roswell, New Mexico, reports that it has received one of the discs which landed on a ranch outside Roswell. The disc landed at a ranch at Corona, New Mexico, and the rancher turned it over to the Air Force. Rancher W.W. Brazil was the man who discovered the saucer. Colonel William Blanchard of the Roswell Air Base refuses to give details of what the flying disc looks like. In Fort Worth, Texas, where the object was first sent, Brigadier General Roger Ramey says that it is being shipped by air to the AAF Research Center at Wright Field, Ohio. A few moments ago, I talked to officials at Wright Field, and they declared that they expect the so-called flying saucer to be delivered there, but that it hasn't arrived as yet. In the meantime, General Ramey describes the object as being of flimsy construction, almost like a box type. He says that it was so battered that he was unable to determine whether it had a disc form, and he does not indicate its size. Ramey says that so far as can be determined, no one saw the object in the air, and he describes it as being made of some sort of tinfoil. Other Army officials say that further information indicates that the object had a diameter of about 20 to 25 feet, and that nothing in the apparent construction indicated any capacity for speed, and that there was no evidence of a power plant. The disc also appeared too flimsy to carry a man. Now, back to Taylor Grant in New York. See how the cover-up started, L.A.? It's amazing, absolutely amazing. They, they go from a flying disc, right. a, a missile, and then uh, a day later, another report, and all of a sudden, the military starts backing away from it. Incredible. Jeez. Incredible. So back to your story, of course. So this new information that was uh, discovered tells you what, basically? Colonel Hill stated to this woman, Carolyn and Jim, 
that he was there, that he was flown into Roswell, that it was not a weather balloon, and get this, he had contact with one of the entities. He had four, Colonel Hill had four degrees, psychiatry, psychiatry, theology, philosophy, and I forget the fourth one. He had four degrees, highly educated man, and he's flown into Roswell within 24, 48 hours after they find this thing. He's there because he's an interrogator. Yeah. That's what he was in OSS, which later became the CIA. So he, he's an Army intelligence officer, interrogator, and he's flown in there to try to make contact with one of these entities. Colonel Hill stated to Carolyn Raskin that one of them was still alive. The other one was deceased. One was still alive, and he tried to make contact with it but was unable to do so. And, of course, they were frantically attempting to keep the second one alive. Secondly, he stated on the record, at least to Carolyn, that the material was shipped to Wright-Patterson, which, which you know, we just heard that. We heard that. That's, that's true. So there you go. She asked him what was different about these, these creatures, these aliens. What do they look like? He describes the classic gray. He, he says they were short of stature, large heads, long limbs, black eyes. And she said, well, were, was there any distinguishing feature? And he thinks for a minute, and he goes, yes. Get this, George. They had six fingers, not five. Wow. They had six fingers, not five. And at the very end of the interview, Carolyn remembers another detail, and I just love her facial expression. Once again, body language tells everything. And she looks at the camera and she goes, oh, yes, yes, they were wearing some sort of a suit. They had a suit on. So what are we to make of this? And I spent an afternoon, a lovely dinner with them. I, I interviewed them. This, this guy's a pastor, okay? Jim's actually a pastor. So he looks at the camera and he goes, Colonel Hill was not the type of a guy to, to pull a prank. I'm quoting directly from him. And these people knew this man intimately. We tried tracking him down with, with one of my private eyes uh, that I use to, to track people down. Very, It was there, but there's, there's a, it's a sort of a, a common name, Jesse Hill. Uh, we were able to track it down to a point. I did have, she has some paperwork that was signed by him, and there's a photograph of that, of that actually in the film uh, to show that there is a, a connection between the two of them. But both of these, both Carol and Jim look right at the camera. I believe their story is 100% true. And what it does, again, it's not a smoking gun. We'll never know unless we can get to right patent. Who knows? That's not never going to happen. Well, and all these great witnesses yeah. are dying away. Yeah, they are. It, it's, the guy was 90 years old. This is back in 2002 he passed. So there you go. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.